Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to transform your whole life, all your life. We hope that you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Great to see you. Missed you guys. Had a good couple of weeks away and I'm excited to be here, excited to come back to the house of God, excited to see and hear what God has been doing. People getting baptised, people coming to Jesus. Come on, somebody. That is absolutely awesome. We don't take any of that for granted. God is in the business of healing people, setting people free, saving them. Wow, what an awesome God we serve. Amen. I feel I've got a word for you today. I'm excited to share. And uh, I believe that God is going to do some great things throughout the day. I wonder if um, you would just agree with me in prayer as we come around His Word. Lord, I just want to say thank You that You're here. Just to come and preach and know You're in the room. Know You're already at work. Know You're already talking to people. Holy Spirit, I want to say thank You somebody's going to get set free today. I want to say thank you that somebody's life is about to change. I want to say thank you that someone is about to get healed. Someone's about to get liberated. Their mind is going to be set free. Thank you, Father, that people are going to find you as Lord and Savior. Father, I thank you that you're in the business of blessing people. And you are here to bless us. You're here to do us good. You're here to do what nobody else could do, what nobody else can do. You are not some alternative. You are the real deal. You are God Almighty. You are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords. There is nothing that is beyond you. Nothing greater, nothing wider, nothing taller, nothing deeper. There is nothing beyond you. You are the great I am. Father, you will do what only you will do in this room, downstairs, in the overflow. You're about to do something great. You've been planning for this moment. You've been planning for this moment. And Father, we say thank you for all that you will do in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So I felt the Lord um, lay on my heart uh, from a scripture, uh, John chapter 4. Uh, I've actually, uh, you know, I love, I love this passage of scripture and I've preached on it actually many times. Uh, probably not in the way that I'm going to preach today, but I have preached on it um, many times. And uh, yeah, I just know that, that, that there's something uh, prophetic in it for us. There's something evangelistic in it for us. And um, so I'm gonna, well, we're, we're gonna take a walk through. So I'm not gonna read the whole scripture in one go and then preach. We're just gonna, we're gonna read a bit and then talk a bit and then read a bit and talk a bit. And so we'll see, we'll see what the Lord will do. But uh, in John 4, reading for verse one, it says, now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard 
that he was gaining and baptising more disciples than John. And although in fact it was not Jesus who baptised, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was noon, it was almost noon. One of the things, and there's lots of things we're gonna look at as we go through this scripture, but one of the things that I love is that this this, uh, scripture is just packed full with picture language and and, and, and things that are said and things that are not said. It, it is it's so deep and, uh, and so fascinating. Um, and, you know, there is so much one could focus on. I, I get fascinated by the fact that, 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 that Jesus, the Son of God, God Almighty, God who, He never gets weary, He never gets tired, but because He chosen to limit Himself to human form, He, he found Himself tired. I mean, I don't know, that messes with my head. The God of eternity got tired and, and he leaned, he leaned uh, by, on the well, by the well. And, uh, and I, I get fascinated by that. Um, the, the, the God, God limited himself to come for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. He, he limited himself to human form to come for mankind, to come to set mankind free. That's the difference you see between what we believe and what others might believe is that you see the thing about religion, it's man trying to get to God, it's man reaching out to God. But what we know and what we believe is that God came for man. God sent His Son to come for us, to come and meet us where we are. And and in these words that I read, the scene is set. We We have Jesus, we have a well. And there's nothing about this moment that is accidental or coincidental. And I understand that right now, that may not be immediately obvious, but... In due course, I believe that you're going to understand that, that this, this whole moment is a setup. It's a setup. Uh, and, 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 and I love that because, because he, he wants us to understand. He wants us to understand that there is, there is nothing accidental about you. And there's nothing coincidental about this moment. You are here for a reason. You're here in the timing of God. You're here today. I don't know how you got to church. I don't know how you came. I don't know whether it's your first time or whether you've been here many times, but all I know in the purposes of God is that you are meant to be here this morning because God wants to speak to you. God wants to get your attention over some things. You, there's no coincidence. There's no accident. There's nothing accidental about this because you're not an accident. I don't know how you got on the planet. I don't know whether you know your mother and father. I don't know uh, whether you, you uh, uh, have never met them or, or whatever. But all I know is that you are not an accident. However you were conceived, you are not an accident. Whether your mother and father wanted you or not, you are not an accident. You are planned by God. And while ever, while ever the, 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 you are here on this earth breathing oxygen, you can be sure that the plan that God had for you is still active. 
still yes and still amen in Christ Jesus. God has a plan. I know there may have been many things that have come to try and knock you off course. I know that there are many things that may have come to try and rob you of your confidence. I know that there are many things that that might have happened that would try and steal your faith, but I've come to remind you that you are here and God is with you and God is for you and He's not abandoned you and He's not left you. And it might be dark right now and it may not be clear right now, but you need to rest in the confidence and the assurance that God loves you. He cares for you. He is with you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never fail you. He's got your back. He's planned your future. God designed that moment and God has designed this moment. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says that a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. It's it's good to have plans. It's good to make plans. There's nothing wrong with making plans as long as we understand that that it is is God who directs our steps, that our, our way is submitted to the Lord. It is His plan that is gonna, is gonna work. So there is nothing accidental or coincidental about you here today. And then verse seven, we see that a Samaritan woman came to draw water and suddenly things begin to open up. We begin to understand because we read that Jesus had to go through Samaria when in truth, the backstory to this is that he didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, Jews often avoided Samaria like the plague. They, so it, they, 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 they always traveled and they went round Samaria. I, um, I don't know what the disciples' faces uh, looked like when Jesus said we're going through Samaria, but it would, have been, it would have been a shock to them. But the Samaritan woman coming to draw water gives us a hint as to why Jesus had to go through Samaria. It was an ordinary day, but she had an appointment that she didn't even realise she had. You know, sometimes God will set you up with an appointment you didn't even realize you had. It looked in, 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 in an ordinary moment, in an ordinary moment, in an ordinary day, while you are caught up in the things that you ordinarily do, God will choose to meet you. And God will choose to speak to you. She found herself with an appointment with Jesus. Don't get me wrong, she would have been shocked to see a man sitting near the well. And Jesus spoke to her, which would have been another shock. As you will find out in a moment, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, and this is why she would have been surprised, you're a Jew. And I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, 
the woman said. You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. So you've got to, there's something to be grasped here going on behind the scenes because as I've hinted that Jews did not walk through Samaria and that is because they despised Samaritans. Now Samaritans were mixed race. They were part Assyrian and part Jew. And the uh, Assyrians were idolaters and, and yet the, the, the Samaritans had adopted the Jewish faith, but they had not given up on their um, idolatry. So there was this strange mixture of Judaism and uh, idolatry that, that caused the Jews to despise them and consider them to be unclean. And so they would, they would have just literally stayed away. And it's, a, it's an interesting thing to me and we can't even go into it, but there's, there's a story behind the story here, which is just so utterly fascinating because in this encounter, although it does not get directly addressed, Jesus is dealing with so many issues. You're going to hear a little bit later of how the disciples were surprised that Jesus was speaking to a woman. And not only would they have been surprised he was speaking to a woman, they would have been surprised that he was speaking to a Samaritan woman because there was so much racism that was going on. And, and so we understand that in this moment, by, by having this encounter, Jesus is dealing with the gender issue and he's dealing with the race issue. Because Jesus levels the ground. Jesus levels the ground. So when Jesus is building a church, he builds a church where we can have just as powerful women of God as men of God. Oh, I, I, thought, I thought I might hear a little more from my sisters here. This morning, I just thought that I might hear a little bit more because we're building the kind of church here where we are going to have mighty, I want to say, I want to say that we're going to be known for some very, very powerful, anointed women of God. We are going to be known for that. I don't know whether any are in the house this morning, but I believe that. I believe it. I believe it. It's going to happen. Trust me, it's going to happen. See, that's the kind of church Jesus builds because he deals with the gender issue like he deals with the race issue and I, I, to me I think how important in this day and age that we need to build a multiracial church where we see in the power of God move powerfully in our midst together understand what I'm saying I'm not saying that we're building a black church with a few white people. And I'm not saying that we're building a white church with a few black people. Because that's what some people would call a multiracial church. What I'm talking about is we're, we're building a church for all people. Black, white, and every shade in between. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female. We, because God, that's the kind of church God builds. We all count. We all have a place. There's opportunity for all. 
That is the kind of church God builds because He knows you and He loves you and He's got a plan for you. But here in this scenario, we have the fact that she asked the question because everything she knows about this moment is wrong. You've got to understand, I know it doesn't come over in the text, but she's in a, a complete tailspin because firstly, a man has spoken to her. Secondly, he's asked her for a drink and that's why she makes the point you've got nothing to draw with because she knew that a Jew would never drink from something that had been touched by a Samaritan. And he was messing with her head because it's like, you're asking me for something to drink and you've got, but what I, what I love is that, that, that by doing that, Jesus was just in that simple act, leveling the ground, saying that we are the same. I love you. I accept you. I, he, he didn't have to say, he didn't have to say anything just by that simple action it spoke volumes. I also love the fact that Jesus knew he was going to ask for a drink because he designed the moment. And he always intended to use what she was carrying. Don't you just love the fact that you might be carrying something that you didn't think God was going to use, but he's going to use it. You might be carrying something that you thought was unusable, but God is going to use it. You thinking to yourself, I don't know how God could use that. I don't know how God can use that circumstance. I don't know how God can use that situation. I don't know how God can uh, do that with that, that, that uh, issue, but he's gonna use it. You're carrying something God's gonna use. You're carrying something that he wants to use for his glory. God is gonna use something in your life that you never imagined he would use. Goes on to say that where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. I love this because it just, you know, like, yeah, I, this, this is good. This is a good deal. Give me the kind of water where I don't have to keep making this journey at this time of day to come and to draw water. Let me, I, 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 I love that. You see, she got all excited because she thought that she was meeting somebody who was just there to make her life easier. And it occurred to me that that's sometimes how we approach Jesus. We approach Jesus as someone who's just gonna make our life easier. He's just gonna bless me. 
just going to bless me. He's just going to meet my needs. He's going to give me peace. He's going to deliver me from fear. He's, he's going to make a way. He's going to make my life easier. Jesus makes my life easier. And, uh, and, and some people treat Jesus like a comfort blanket. They treat church like a comfort blanket. So they, they go about their weeks and they have a tough time and they have their issues and they have their problems. They have their mountains that, that we sing about. And they, they, but they, they come to church and they get, their, they get anesthetized against their pain. They, they, take a, they take their spiritual paracetamol, they get their comfort blanket and they cuddle up and they feel better for a little while. But the only problem with that is you've got to go back to your life. So church isn't just a comfort blanket. It's not just a place where I come and, and get my needs met. And yet I do. But it's not just about that. That's why we, we need to understand because it's, it's, not, it's not just I'm a consumer. I'm coming to church because, you know, I'm getting what I need, what I want this is providing for me but but it's, a, it's it's an understanding that Jesus wasn't there just to make her life easier he was there to help her face the real issues the real issues of her life she thought the issue was she had to get water every day that wasn't a real issue and Jesus goes straight to the point. Verse 16, he told her, um, go call your husband and come back. <clears throat> um, I, 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 um, uh, I, I, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man that you now have is not your husband what you've just said is quite true your wow I mean imagine I mean it's like what how how does um, how does he know that and you see now, because of what Jesus said, everything is becoming clear because if you understand the moment, it's a crazy thing actually that a woman was coming to draw water at noon because, I mean, yeah, it's a bit difficult for the Brits to understand, but if you're, if you're, from, if you're from Africa, you understand that there is no way that you go and draw water at the hottest time of the day. Why? Because drawing water is hard work. It is heavy, hard work. Never mind just the drawing the water. You've got to carry it somewhere when you've drawn it and it is tough work. So you always do that in the cool time of the day. But this woman was drawing at noon when nobody was going to be there. When, ah, when nobody was going to be there. Ah, okay, when nobody is going to be there. She came when nobody was going to be there because there were some ladies around. You see, you know, I don't think she was that popular with the ladies. You know, it's like, hey, I think she was more popular with the guys, you know, but she wasn't popular with the ladies. You know, like she'd got, 
she'd been around the, the well. Do you like my well? This is an awesome well. She, 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 she'd known what it was to go to the well and have the gossips and the people saying, girl, keep your man away from her. She, she knew what it was to have the whispering and the going on. And you know what? At the end of the day, it just became easier. I'm not, gonna, I, I'm not putting myself through that every day. I'm going to go when nobody else is there. So she found herself at, there at, at, at noon. And, and I just wonder, actually, maybe even if she was slightly irritated by the fact that Jesus was there that day because she she was used to going when nobody was there and and now the fact that there was not only was there somebody there there was a man there and it was all a little bit irritating because her usual plan wasn't working out and and then I think to myself you know because Jesus addressed the issue she had five husbands and you know what the last man she hadn't even bothered to marry which kind of got me thinking you know maybe she'd given up she hadn't even bothered to marry the last one. You know, this doesn't even work. I never get what I'm finding. You know, I'm, just, I'm not even going to bother with divorcing this one. I'm just going to, hey, we'll just shack up together. We'll just try and make it. I don't know. I don't know whether because she'd given up, you know, Jesus maybe found her in a low place. Mm. I, wonder, I wonder if Jesus finds you today in a low place. Maybe you're tired. You've just been searching and trying to sort out your life for a long time and it, nothing seems to be working. And you know, she'd, she'd, she'd dreamt. I know she dreamt of love. Why? Because she'd had five husbands. She'd been, she'd been longing to find the one. She'd been longing to find there was a void in her heart, a void in her life that she needed to fill. And she thought a man was going to do that. She thought a man was going to do that for her. Maybe you think a, a man is going to do that for you. Maybe you think a, a woman is going to do that for you. I don't know. I don't know. But, 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 but what, whoever she found, it didn't work. That void was not filled because she'd been looking for love and had to settle for sex. And those two, no matter what they tell you, are not the same. They're not the same. They're not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. Sex is a gift given from God for people, a man and a woman who are married. That's, that's, that's a gift from God for, for, that, for them. It is the fruit of love. It's not the foundation for love. I haven't got time today to go into all of that. But, but you see, she'd been looking for love and had to settle for sex. And there just comes a time where sex was no longer enough. It just didn't crack it. And that's why she'd been working through the man. And she kept running into the arms of men thinking that a spiritual thirst could be satisfied by physical things and your spiritual thirst will never be satisfied through physical things. It doesn't matter whether it's a man, whether it's a woman, whether it's food, whether it's, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol. You're never gonna satisfy that void in your heart with physical stuff. It's never gonna work. Oh, it'll seem to work for a while. You'll convince yourself that this is it. This is the one. This is the way. This will work. And yet there will come a day 
when that which seemed to be working will work no longer. And verse 19, sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. No kidding. That isn't there. I just added that bit in. If you saw some people like, oh, I don't know. Maybe that's in the Greek. I don't know. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but the Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. <laughs> woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit. And in truth, I love this. I love it. Here we are talking about the five husbands and the boyfriend issue. And she's, uh, yeah. So that worship thing, that worship thing, I'm going to just, because this was a very, a big theological hot potato of the day. She knew exactly what she was doing. She said, um, let's rather speak about this religious thing rather than about stuff I don't want to talk about. Because you see, the thing is, what, what you've got to understand is that when Jesus making your life easier, he's going to get up in your business. Oh, oh yes, he is. Oh yes, he is. If you're really going to get to know Jesus and if you're really going to walk with him, he's going to get up in your business. He's going to get up in your head. He's going to get up in the attitudes of your heart. He's going to get up in all that stuff that you don't want anybody else to know about. The stuff you're ashamed of, the stuff that's in the cupboard, the stuff that's buried away, the stuff that you hide behind your Sunday smile. Hi, everybody. Yes, I'm awesome. God is good. Meanwhile, God knows. God knows the stuff that you're not talking about. God, the stuff, the stuff you think is so well hidden. It ain't that well hidden. He knows all about it. Just turn to someone and say, like, you know, like you've got no issues. Just turn to someone and say, he knows all about it. He knows all about it. But even with that in place, Jesus addresses the issue that she brings up and says, hey, my love, you're getting it all wrong. It's not about where we worship. It's about how you worship. It's about the attitude of your heart. It's about those who worship in spirit and in truth. It's true then and it's true now. Oh, we've got so many worship experts. They will tell you how to worship. They will tell you who the best worship leaders are. They will tell you all the latest music and all the best songs. And some people will tell you it's this hymn. And some people, will, oh, it's ne we've, never, we've never touched God like we worship when we're in the 80s. Oh, in the 80s. It was all great in the 80s. I was there. It wasn't that awesome. Trust me. Um, <laughs> You know, it's like, you know, everyone's an expert, but at the end of the day, it's not about that. It's about me. It's about my heart. Stop blaming the worship team that you haven't worshipped. Stop blaming the song choice that you haven't worshipped. It's not about that stuff. It's about you and your 
heart. It's about what's going on you. Now they're the kind of worshippers the Father is seeking. He isn't looking for the kind of worshippers who are holding up invisible scorecards at the end of the worship like they've done in the Winter Olympics for the skating. He's not holding up any, any cards. He's just, he's saying, hey, just the fact they mentioned Jesus. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. That now you've got my attention. I know I was lost. I know I was blind. Jesus has set me free. Jesus has given me hope. Now that is the kind of attitude that God is looking for. The woman after her smokescreen episode said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. You've got to understand, there are just so many people out there intrigued with God and what He can do. Her life was an absolute mess. She was messed up. But there was something in her. She, she knew. She knew there was a Messiah. She knew he was coming. I, yeah. She knew it better than some of the Jews who would have alienated themselves from her, which is another topic for another day. And Jesus knew that she was searching. She said, you know, he's coming and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Oh, oh, I, 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 I am, I am he, I am, I am. There was a moment when he said, I am, there was, there was something in that moment, I am. And just then, just in that moment, Moment on cue, verse 27, then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Now, I was, I was looking at that, I was reading it, and I was thinking to myself, wow, I, it's a strange thing to me to put down than leaving her water jar. I mean, it's just a water jar. I mean, there's a lot of big stuff going on here. Why, why, why mention the water jar? Why, why, is that a, why does John feel he's got to mention that, that she left her water jar? And I just thinking about it, I said, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't seem to be a big deal, but I just wondered, that water jar reminded her because of the time that she drew water every day, that water jar reminded her of what her life had become because she was drawing water at that time of day because of what her life had become. That water jar reminded her she was judged every time she stepped out of her door. People judged her. Judged her for the decisions she'd made. Judged her for, for the way she'd lived her life. That water jar reminded her that she was powerless to do anything about her life. Reminded her that she had no power to change. But one encounter with Jesus. One, en- one genuine 
encounter with Jesus. One encounter with Jesus meant that the woman who had spent her life running away and hiding now found the confidence and the ability to run into town to the very people she'd been avoiding. She ran into town to say, hey, hey, there's someone, there's someone out of, out of, there's someone out of the well. There's someone out of the well and, and he told me everything. He knows everything about me. And, and she was able to say that he knows everything about her because she'd been so ashamed and, and had been hiding for so long. But, but there was just something about the way Jesus had treated her. There was just something about the way Jesus had handled her that caused her to know that even knowing all that stuff about her, he still loved her. He still accepted her. And he still had the power to change her life. One encounter with Jesus. One encounter, one encounter with Jesus. That's all you need. One encounter with Jesus can, can, can change everything. One encounter. And she was liberated from her fear. What she had been searching for had finally found her. The Bible goes on to say that they came out of the town and made their way toward him. They came out of the town. You see, they listened to her. They listened to her. The woman that they had been despising, the woman who they, they'd been hiding their husbands from, the, 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 the woman who was the joke, the woman who had been the, the, the result of the, of the jokes and the wolf whistles of the guys. The, 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 that, that, that woman, the woman who no one would ever take seriously, that that woman, they listened to her because there was something about her. There was something about her. They thought they knew her, but they were hearing about somebody. They were hearing about somebody who could know everything about you and still love you. And do you know why they came out of the town? Do you know why they followed her? Do you know why? Not only because they'd noticed that something had changed, they followed her because deep inside every single one of us is the longing that someone will know everything about us and still love us. And I've come with good news this morning because there is a Saviour. There is a Saviour who knows everything about you. Every dirty little secret, everything that would make you feel ashamed. He knows everything about you. And He loves you. 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 His disciples said in verse 33, could someone have brought Him food? And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of Him who sent me to finish His work. And then he says to them something really intriguing. He says, don't you, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe to harvest. They are ripe. The fields, the fields, the fields, the fields, they are, they are ripe. They are ripe. They are ripe. There are multitudes, multitudes in the valley 
of decision. And the, God is going ahead. We're not just singing about it. God, God has gone ahead. He's gone ahead. He's at work. He's at work in people's hearts. He's at work in your office. He's at work on your street. He's, he's at work. He's at work. He's, the fields are white. And, and He's saying, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because multitudes, multitudes, multitudes are coming. They're coming, they're coming. Oh, I know you're not going to get excited because the problem is that we've preached it for so long and we've never actually seen it. We've, we've talked about it for decades and we've never actually seen it. And don't worry, I get that, but I'm gonna tell you, I'm just telling you this morning or this afternoon, I'm telling you the coming. They're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming because the fields are white and Jesus is wanting to get us out. He's wanting to get us ready because He's about to do something that has never been seen in your lifetime. He's about to do something that is gonna change everything. Oh, I'm gonna say that again. He's about to do something that's gonna change everything. You're gonna see it with your own eyes. You're gonna see it with your own eyes and you're gonna testify about it to your children and your grandchildren and you're gonna see it because God is doing a great work. Multitudes, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near. In the valley of decision, the valley of decision. People are deciding, they're gonna decide. They're gonna decide. They're gonna decide. Oh my God. You see, I'm fascinated by the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, positioned Himself at the well. And the woman with the, the five husbands and one boyfriend issue was yet to come, which meant that God waited for her. God waited for her. He waited until she was ready to hear some things. He waited until she was ready to change. I believe he came to the well that day because he knew she was ready. He knew she was at a low point. He knew that she needed the reality of what she'd longed for, what she searched for. Before then, maybe she just, no, nah, she was too brazen. She, she was too full of herself. She, she knew what she wanted. She knew what she needed. I just need a man. I don't need anyone telling me what to do. But there was just something about that day that, that has said, I, I'm not getting it right. I'm not getting it right. There's more to my life than what I'm experiencing. There's more to what I'm seeing. There's more to what I'm seeing. I need more. I need more. But God waited. God's waiting for you. He's been waiting for you. He's been waiting for you. He's just been waiting for you. And, and maybe today it just seems like an ordinary day, but he's been, he's been waiting for you. And there's stuff that's been going off in your life and only you know about it and nobody else knows about it, but there's stuff and, and it's been going off there in, in, in your life. And, and yet there's just something about that and the way all that thing has come together that has positioned you for a moment like this. Jesus was waiting. He was waiting at the well, the well. He met her at the well. Well, he knew he was, he knew she was going to come, but not only did he knew she was going to come, not only did he have an appointment with her, but he met with her at the well because there was something about the well because he was the well. He is the well. 
and he met her at Riwal and he was trying to explain to her that this is the place you're looking for refreshment you're looking for life I this, if you drink this water you're going to get thirsty again but if you if you come to me you're not going to because I'm going to meet a need that nothing and no one else can make this is the well this is the well Tando just come and help me this is the well This is a well where I come to draw. And I just don't know, maybe, maybe he just wanted to understand something that she'd done so often and she'd never understood the truth of that in order to, in order to receive, I've got, to, I've got to let go of my emptiness. I've got to let go of my emptiness. let it all go Lord I let it go I let go of my emptiness to receive I receive your fullness I receive your fullness Lord I receive your fullness you gotta let go of your emptiness if you want to receive his fullness because he is he is the well the well he is who you've been looking for he's who you've been searching for and and he's met you here today to let you know that no matter how messed up your past is no matter how messed how full of problems it's not strong enough it's not powerful enough it it does not disqualify you it does not, your past does not disqualify you. It doesn't disqualify you. It doesn't disqualify you from this living water. Whatever you've been through, whatever you've been through on your journey, He is here to meet you. He waited for you at the well. And He told me to, to say to you that um, there are people here who've they've got stuff. Maybe you've got stuff worse than the, the five husbands and one boyfriend issue. Maybe you have got stuff that isn't quite like that. But whatever you've been searching, you've been looking, you've been wondering, is it true? Is it real? Can, can this really be true? Can I really know what it is? To be free from shame. To be free from fear. She was liberated. One encounter with Jesus liberated her from a fear and a shame. And, and suddenly she was able to, be, to face what she'd been running away from. For God only knows how long she was free to face it because she wasn't afraid anymore. She wasn't ashamed anymore because she'd met with a Saviour who set her free from her shame and released to her a brand new future. I don't know if you're here today and if you don't know Jesus, 
Maybe you've never actually given your life to Jesus. I'm not talking about church now. I'm talking about Jesus, giving your life to Jesus. Jesus who died on a cross. Jesus who died on a cross, not to give you religion, but to give you hope and freedom and a future and liberate you to be the person you were born to be. That Jesus, that that message, that life and hope and freedom, that Jesus. And if you, if you don't know that Jesus, then in the same way, Jesus waited for that woman at the well, he's waiting for you. He's waiting, he's waiting at the well, he's waiting at the well, he's waiting. Maybe at one time you have made a decision for Jesus, maybe at one time, but, but you've lost your way, you've lost your way. And you're filled with regret, you feel shame because you wished it hadn't happened, but hey, here we are, but you need to understand that you are not your problem. Jesus comes to you today and says, you, you, you are not your problem. You are your potential. And He's not saying that the problems don't need to be dealt with. They need to be dealt with. But you are not your problem. You are your potential. He is here to set you free from your past, to release life and, and, and a future. Now the truth is, when we come to kind of handle this kind of moment, we kind of handle it in a, a normal way. We ask people to close their eyes and give a moment of people privacy and, and put their hand up. And that's the way we normally ask people to do it. And that's cool. It's cool. It's just the way we do it. And, and I'm probably in, <laughs> we'll carry on doing it that way. I don't know. But today, the Lord told me to do it a different way. And He said this, He said this, for those of you who have never made a decision for Jesus or those who know they need to come back. He said, He said, tell them this, He said, if they come, I will meet them at the well. If they come, I will meet them at the well. Jesus is here. And he will meet you at the well. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been both challenged and inspired. To stay up to date with everything going on in our church, go to heartchurch.co.uk.